Welcome, everybody, to the Discovery It podcast tonight. We're going to uh, have Ray talk to us tonight about the evolution of change, about his eight-year transformation to present time. Go ahead, Ray. Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to kind of share my story a little bit of, of some background. Um, people have heard me speak and just to kind of shed some more light on who I am and the journey of transformation that I've experienced and some of the places along the way that I had uh, found myself to kind of help other people connect along with their journey, uh, help people to recognize maybe some areas that they may be experiencing challenge and to share some, you know, some of my, just some of my experience so that it may help with uh, someone else along their own path. But I've made a lot of changes and experienced a lot of growth, but it started when I met Paul eight years ago and I was on the front porch of my mom's house. Uh, I was smoking weed at the time. Um, and Paul was moving into the area looking for, uh, initially just looking for someone to help out with moving furniture. He was moving a few houses down. And we ended up on the topic of, and I don't think it was the first day we met, it was Paul circling back a few days prior to the move just to confirm that we'd still be uh, helping move the, the day of moving. And uh, we ended up talking about a mentoring uh, program. And Paul asked if that, that was something that I'd be interested in, and it was. So that relationship with Paul started what I refer to as a focused and uh, methodical and organized approach to reshaping my mindset and the outcomes of my life. Up until that point, I'd experienced several years of turmoil, but that turmoil had followed some very significant decisions in my life as well. These decisions were to do something about my life, to make a change, to not be subject to the experiences of my childhood and, you know, uh, young adulthood. And that led to a series of struggles and challenges, and uh, I was trying to do it on my own. I was, but I was putting a lot of energy into it. I was reading every book that I could, was writing down the questions and exercises that were at the back of the books, um, essentially beating my head against the wall to try to affect this change, to try to do something different, to try to remove myself from that matrix, from what I had realized was uh, slavery, in a sense, to my mindset, to my experiences, my childhood. Uh, speaking of my childhood, I... I went through many years, my younger years, uh, kind of just being dragged along, you know, in the shadow of my father, 
in many ways because he was very uh, ego-centered and uh, uh, it, it was it had to be about him. Um, I learned that as I grew older and only then reflecting back to my childhood was I able to tap into and realize the effects it had on, on me as a child. But at a young age, between the chaos between my parents sort of a domineering father who always had to be the center of attention. Uh, it caused me to shut down. It caused me to become very um, uh, self-destructive, very negative self-esteem and self-image. I see myself as insignificant. You know, it's just existing but with no purpose, no no reason, not feeling as if I was any of any value of it or importance to anyone Uh and I kind of, I, I had a, I didn't have a very positive or a, an appreciation, appreciative view of life. I didn't have any hope for a future. I was just uh, existing. And uh, that led to, or, you know, going through that at a young age led up into my teens where, the chaos between my parents gotten worse, became abusive gradually. And throughout my childhood, my dad was in and out. So uh, a lot of times that, at reflecting back, I realized that that played a part on my self-image and self-esteem too and my uh, ability to cope through childhood and to... Uh, learn consistency to learn commitment devotion things like that you know as a child my father was in you know in the home and had a relationship with us uh, me and my siblings only to the extent that it was convenient you know and uh eventually for a long period of time he was just in and out and eventually uh around 13 14 was the last that he was really in the home or in any sense a father figure and which led to my mom being on drugs uh, and very distant in terms of raising us. Um, and even up until that point, I, I don't remember from my childhood much structure. It was more so um, dictatorship for my father and a rescuer for my mother. So uh, my mom wanted to be the friend. She wanted to uh, get us to love her through allowing us to do whatever it is we wanted to do for, through befriending us, not through raising us with uh, love and care and um, responsibility as a parent. And that was the dynamic for a long time until it became absent father, mother on drugs, and mostly non-existent, aside from times where she would, uh, you know, we would throw parties at the house um, at 14 years old, you know, smoking weed and drinking 40 ounces of beer with a bunch of friends in and out the house um, for the brief moments that my mom was coherent 
And when she wasn't, we were running the streets. You know, she was either locked in the room or she was uh, over at a friend's house for days at a time before she'd resurface. Uh, and th- th- this was the bulk of my conditioning. Learned, you know, to lie and steal and cheat and to and to just exist, you know, just to uh, to not have any sense of purpose, any sense of belonging, any sense of uh, service or duty to community, anything, you know, like that. No structure, no morals, no values being instilled as a child, aside from maybe the fleeting cliches that you know, parents may toss around, but nothing being actually conditioned into my being uh, throughout those years. And as I was explaining to my daughter, Julia, yesterday that because she's, she's having trouble with the online courses and, uh, you know, a lot of us as parents, we have a lot of things going on and we, we like to think, at least it's easier to think that, you know, to ask our kids, Hey, is everything okay? And they say yes. And we assume that it's being taken care of, you know, at least until we see the grades. We assume that the teachers are giving them their programs, the kids are following it, doing their assignments and everything's, you know, fine. You ask the kids every day, how's school? Oh, it's going, it's good. And so you you hope that that's true and you get on with the uh, duties of the day, but her grades have been struggling. So I took it a step further and, you know, been sitting down with her working through her schoolwork. So uh, a realization I had and was sharing with her is that I went through all my younger years uh, in school not caring, you know, not realizing the value that my effort put into my and pride put into my work would contribute to my growth and my, my future and my success. So I brushed it off, and I didn't care much to be there and to do, to you know, didn't care much for the work, the information that they were teaching us. And it wasn't until I dropped out of high school in 12th grade and continued to struggle throughout my young adulthood that I just threw, you know, threw away something that was for me, you know, that through my indifference to life and my negative disposition towards things, I passed up a huge opportunity, which is is now, of course, after my years of growth and experience, is how I see and interact with life, that every challenge, everything that we experience is, is for us. You know, our unique experience, it's, it caters to us. It shows us what we need. It gives us what we need. The challenges that most of us complain about and we try to avoid, they're there to make us stronger. We don't get any stronger any other way. And, and the avoidance of those challenges are the, the, the destruction itself. You know, it's a, many, it's a form, one of the many forms of destruction. So we're trying to avoid what we think is the worst thing that could happen to us, challenge, struggle, you know, sometimes pain, and not realizing that avoiding that is the is the loss the struggle and the challenges and the loss 
the avoidance of it and neglecting ourselves to grow is the loss. That's the thing that we should be afraid of. That's the thing that we should avoid is avoidance itself of the true nature and reality of of life. And so through sharing that with her, um, well, not through sharing that with her, but I shared that with her, but also that led to my desire to change my my state of existence at that time in my life is that realizing also that I, through exposure to what I had experienced, I've become something that I didn't want to be, to be, you know, I, um, I had become conditioned to and was designing a life for myself that I, the true me beneath it all, did not approve of, you know, and I had two choices to just accept that fate or to do something about it. And I'd made up my mind that I would rather die trying to do something about it, no matter how long it took, than to ever accept that, that fate and then to just perpetuate it and to contribute to it for the rest of my life you know it's to me after exploring those two options I chose the the one where I would do something about it even if it was to no effect no matter how much I put into it but what I'd realized and something I'm an advocate for why I'm such a strong advocate for mentoring is I'd I'd realized that there's uh, a dynamic to having an outside input and that there's a limit to how far you can get with your own personal development and growth on your own. And this is something that may seem, you know, complex um, or advanced in terms of how we relate to people and to things in our lives, but it's really, it's very simple. It would be like trying to learn uh, rocket science without ever having gone to a school, without ever having someone uh, help you to break these concepts down into smaller pieces and to compare them to things you're already familiar with and to guide you through the process of understanding what all goes into rocket science, let alone eventually getting a job at a rocket science lab and then having people there, whether they label themselves as a mentor or not, there are people that are there showing you that are interacting with you, who are gauging your level of understanding and who are interacting with you in ways that lead you to deeper levels of understanding. And through experience in your own um, out, uh, outlook or your own take on the things you've experienced, developing your own belief and your own opinions on what to make of rocket science, for example. But that that doesn't happen in a, in a void. Imagine if you were in a bubble, given a few books, and, and told to become a Nobel Prize winning rocket science or scientist without ever having engaged or interacted with any professors, without ever having gone to a rocket science lab, without ever being given tools to 
learn through your own experience. It just doesn't happen. But that a lot of times we, especially in the age that we're living in, we're a lot. We're, it's becoming normal to isolate ourselves and to cut off the rest of the world as best as we can and live from behind Facebook. It's very easy, and sometimes I remember almost faintly so many of my years that I've lived in isolation, wanting to be a music producer, you know, telling myself and the few friends I'm having, saying, you got to get yourself out there more, get yourself out there. Uh, I'd lived in such a small bubble. And in that small bubble, I wanted big things. You know, I wanted change. I wanted to be able to break myself out of that, that matrix, that prison. I wanted to be able to uh, grow into the person I felt the potential in spite of my past to become. But I was trying to do it from inside a bubble. And reflecting back on that, realizing that when I met Paul, I was able to go from running in small, you know, small circles, small laps within a bubble to then break outside of that bubble and to explore all the directions that I could grow into I think a very integral part of that is having an outside source and granted and obviously it's not just any outside source it's somebody who is good at mentoring to put it simply someone who has a talent for mentoring somebody who has studied mentoring understands what it means to mentor to guide someone to teach someone for example, another simple example is a professor. And we all know the skilled professors, the skilled um, instructors. Uh, anybody could probably go to school to be a teacher, which is one part of the process, but one, ones that have excelled afterwards and became great teachers, was able to develop rapport with their students, able to see insights into their students and what they're struggling with it. Most teachers who have may have went to the school but just don't, don't have the uh, gift sometimes to the extent that some teachers do to see into those insights of where a child is struggling and be able to guide them to where their end goal is. Uh, that's a whole other ball game as far as choosing the right mentor but I got lucky in that sense I feel meeting Paul and Paul being I, I tell talk about Paul all the time I talk about my relationship uh, with Paul as a mentor in my life all the time and it's I use the word magical I use the word miracle um, and Paul just his outlook on life being a miracle has guided me down that path even further. And maybe it's something to do with why I refer to it. such a mystical experience. It's because I see much of life that way now. But just to reflect back on how Paul came into my life, how Paul has positioned himself in my life and the consistency that Paul has had 
in my life. It shows me the beauty of life and of nature itself, something that I hadn't seen up until that point. You know, life was up until that point just random, you know. And my decision to want to make a difference was just my uh, slap back in life's face, you know, saying, I, you can kill me, but I'm not, I'm not going to go down easy, you know. Yeah, you can you can uh, hold me down, but I'm not going to lay there, and, and, and it's not going to be easy. You're not going to take me out easily, you know, that I would prefer to be destroyed that way is essentially what it was. But it wasn't a conviction that it was possible. It was just that if I've got to choose a way to die, I'd rather choose this way. If I've got to choose a way to be destroyed, I'll choose this way in hopes that maybe something comes out of it. But if not, I'll take that over laying down and accepting it. But that Paul coming into my life showed me something beyond that, showed me how life can be much more than just chaos, just things that get thrown at you and you take what you can get and hope for better next time. Uh, Because Paul coming into my life, I believe, was timed. I believe that we're all set on a path that unless we take control of our now, it is it's already written in stone. You know, maybe even us taking control of our now is written into stone. You know, maybe the Lord, you know, knows that we'll go through 10 years of struggle until we find the inner strength to take back the control of our lives and to, you know, lead a path of our own making. Who knows that part? But I believe that the course I'd traveled essentially unraveled to that point. You know, it's that the struggle that I went through trying to take control of my life from within that bubble, running in circles inside of that bubble, it it all evolved into that point until it until that exhausted itself and the stars aligned in, in essence in that moment. And Paul's path intersected with mine, and then it was able to, my, my path was able to blossom from that moment forward, in, in a sense. It's the chaos of my life, and then the few years of trying from inside of that bubble to, to change it finally burst out into something more focused, something more organized, and something more concrete and consistent and a steady progress of accomplishments and milestones from that point forward. Granted, all of it prior to was a part of that, part of leading up to that, but that's where the turning point happened for me and things began to move. Instead of one step forward, two steps back, it was two steps forward, one step back. Probably the simplest way to, if we want to simplify it to a math equation. But from that point forward, I began to open up more 
uh, in awareness of myself, the things that were affecting the decisions and the mindset that I was in at the time, um, learning to open up and to communicate better and more effectively with people, learning to develop trust, uh, understanding, uh, word technology, working with Paul, so many words that were just uh, loosely defined in my mind based on my experience, my past, my brief encounter with the word, the misunderstandings, misbeliefs, all tied into these words that I was using, that working with Paul and through word technology, breaking these words down, understanding things in a very more, uh, a much more concentrated and methodical way, breaking things down, taking the time to look at things that naturally, and it goes back to the pain, the avoidance of struggle and challenge, naturally there's hidden in, in many treasure chests, if you, if you will, so much knowledge and information in life, but it's almost, it says if it's cloaked and just a little bit of pain, a little bit of discomfort, so that if we're not aware of that, most of us miss it. Because without even thinking, we've sidestepped it because it was uncomfortable. It was slightly uh, uh, challenging. And we'd rather comfort. We'd rather, you know, even if, it's, even if it comes with, one, the inability to discover that truth, that uh, wisdom, that growth, we still choose what in the moment seems more comfortable, whether it be drugs, whether it be vegging out and watching Netflix. Um, so that through working with Paul and his laser focus on whether it be a word, he feels that may be um, binding up your ability to move past an obstacle in your life or looking and focusing in on that obstacle itself or what happened into the past, in the past that may be leading to that um, way of thinking or way of behaving. These, these exercises with Paul, this interaction with Paul, this inability for myself to circle back, you know, that Paul holding me accountable prevented me from just circling back in my own delusions, which I believe is what most of us will do if we're stuck in our own bubble. No matter how hard we try, our mind will convince us as we're moving forward that maybe you should make a U-turn here. It's, you know, uh, I've got a shortcut I can show you. And before you know it, you're going back the other direction because with nobody looking from the outside to notice that happening and with the understanding of psychology and how we tend to do the, these things that seem to evade our, our, our awareness, it, it's, it's nearly impossible. It's almost like rolling the dice and hoping that one out of a thousand you'll roll the exact series of numbers that lead you forward for long enough at that because 
I, I really I just don't I don't think there's any other way um, to move in a in a consistent direction without outside influences to cross reference your logic, whether regardless of what goal it was, it could be to build a bridge from here to Europe. One person is not going to be able to sit there and execute that that plan. There's got to be many people who are bouncing ideas off of each other based on their separate experiences and expertise. Um, and then when we we basically take that same concept and apply it to our own personal goals and growth. You've, you've got to have somebody, an outside source that you trust and that is skilled in that department to work with you because your mind, your it, is going to trick you back in, into circles. It's going to. Um, I have this. I, w- I wish I could put it into better explanation and maybe one day write a longer an essay on it or something that it's almost in our nature that from within our mindset, it's nearly impossible to break out of it and to go on to an, another without an outside influence. Uh, and, you know, that that is more of a challenge for people who tend to be, well, maybe it's just not, it's not more of a, just a different type of struggle. So if you isolate yourself, you tend to be more introverted, then you're going to be challenged by that because it's nearly impossible to travel too far from your state of mind without an outside ex, uh, um, perspective and expertise. But then on the flip side, a lot of extroverts, all they've done is attracted people to themselves that think just like them anyway. So it's probably just a, a ex- expanded version of the same thing. You just now have more people thinking like you. It's probably even worse because now they're going to solidify all the negativity that you've already manifested in, in, in your, you know, in your life or wherever you stand. It's just going to magnify it. Um, so in, in reference to change, in reference to growth, in, re- in reference to progress and breaking out of these boxes we tend to find ourselves in, working with Paul has been my blessing in order to move along that path with consistent success in relationships and work. I mean, we're talking, and just to highlight some of the achievements, because some people might be listening and saying, well, what achievements exactly, you know? Um, but like I, I had said, I dropped out of high school. i gotten felonies on my record when I was 18 years old. So I had mostly negative conditioning as a child, dropped out of high school, um, gotten felonies on my criminal record that um, as some people know, some people may not know is like a red flag in terms of building a life for yourself. And that's if you even had a solid upbringing to begin with uh, because that can really hinder your progress even if you didn't have a, a felony or on your criminal record. But 
those thing, two things together, the statistical uh, black father uh, absent or mostly ab- absent from the childhood, so no male role model in my life, to um, many, many years of struggling with that, of working minimum wage jobs as a grown man, you know, even up until having my first child, um, it just happened as a series of, uh, as a result of a series of um, irresponsible decisions. Uh, it's not as, not as if I'd gotten my life together and decided to build a family. It just kind of happened one thing after another. Now I'm a father of a daughter working minimum wage jobs as a felon, trying to figure out how I'm going to ever put, put these pieces together and make something that I can be proud of living, you know. Uh, and from that to getting my rights restored, the ability to hold office, to vote, many years I'd struggled with not even feeling that I had, or not, not, it's not even a feeling, it's a fact that for many years I had nothing to do with this country in the way that it's run, the people that hold office, the decisions that are made in our laws and things of that nature. I, I was a non-factor. You know, my, my opinion didn't count because the decisions that I made that were heavily relied on the conditioning, you know, you, the only two people you look up to, your parents, one leaves and says, that, this is not important enough for me to stick around. The other teaches you to steal, teaches you to go into the, you know, and, to the stores and leave with stuff that doesn't belong to you to cheat the system. And then you, you continue to cheat the system a little bit outside of your mom's uh, guidance. And then the system says, Oh, look, we have a problem. Let's uh, put a stamp on this guy so he can, if he does decide to change his life, you have a sure have a hard time doing it. And uh, by the way, his opinion doesn't matter when it comes to anything uh, anything and has anything to do with this country. I struggled with that for many years before I was able to restore my rights, um, my ability to protect myself and my family. Of course, having a felony, felony, you're not able to um, possess firearms. Not only having that restored as well, because it was a an achievement to restore my right to vote and to hold office and things like that. It was, it really was. But there was still that one last thing, in a sense, um, that as a result of that experience was limiting me. And I I felt less than, you know, as a citizen of this country and as a a working taxpaying citizen, be it minimum wage or or whatever, uh, but that if anything was to happen, any scenario where the next citizen over, not that they're any better of a citizen, that they just didn't get caught during any, any com- the committing of any crimes because you could have a murderer, but as long as he was never caught stealing from a store or anything that listed as a felony, um, then he could protect his family just fine in those same scenarios. So an intruder could break into his house. He protects his family and, uh, takes down the threat and everyone lives on and 
gets over the experience and it has a good life and grows old. Me, on the other hand, the the um, law states I better not have a gun in my house, you know, for which to protect my family in, the, in that same scenario. That bothered me, you know, for a long time. It affected my self-image, my state of mind, the decisions I made, the freedom I felt as a human being. Um, I eventually had those rights restored as well. Not only did I have my rights restored to, to purchase and possess a firearm, but to, uh, carry concealed. Eventually obtained my concealed, uh, license. Eventually got into a field of work where I grew from knowing nothing about the industry to being, uh, a pretty strong asset within my company now, making more money three, four times as much as I ever thought I could. Um, you know, put me well into the bracket of the American working class that I thought I didn't belong in and could never uh, obtain, earn, or maintain the value of life, you know, as someone considered to be earning enough to live a decent life, you know, middle class. At the time, it was forty thousand. You know, just the average forty thousand is the middle class, the bulk of the American society that earns a decent living in some industry and is able to provide for their family a decent life, food, shelter, uh, extracurricular activities. For the longest time, I I was convinced that I was destined to live below that, in poverty, suffering struggling to find uh, shelter and provide food for your kids. Um, the things that tend to force somebody whenever they feel roadblocked at every turn to the same things that got them into the situation, you know, because in those moments, a lot of times you don't have years to plan out your road to recovery. you got to feed yourself and your family now, you know, and if everywhere you go they say, oh, you're one of those, uh, we'll pass, then, you you know, most people, I understand that statistic of going to prison and then returning because that's hard to overcome. Um, and, uh, you know, but I overcame it. You know, I still worked at that company um, five, six years now it's been. Uh, got several raises and promotions. Um, bought my dream car. Bought a my first property not two years, uh, not too long ago, about a year ago. Um, my, you would see the way I interact with people at work, the level of respect that I have there. And, you know, a lot of people that look up to me and my knowledge there were, when I started there five years ago, I knew nothing. I didn't know not only nothing about, uh, main propulsion engines on Navy ships or um, opposing opposed piston generator uh, motors. Uh, not only did I know anything about the specialized equipment that I worked on, work on, but I didn't know anything about mechanics at all. I was one of those guys that asked, I don't work on my car. I don't, that's not my thing. Um, you, I, I couldn't tell you what's what and why it does anything under the, under the hood. 
maybe some of the simple things that I'd YouTube so that I can take care of because I didn't have the money to pay someone. Um, to now, um, I'm, I'm a guy that most people come to if they have a question about something. The general manager, I believe he is, he's at the top of NASCO in the Hampton Roads area, or Harper location, Harper Ave in Portsmouth and Ligon in uh, Norfolk. Then we have a port over in San Diego. But our port here on the East Coast, he's the uh, the head guy, you know, of this entire region. He was doing a walkthrough on the boat with um, the production superintendent and one of the project managers, and one of them picked me out as I was walking by to talk with the general manager and to explain with him some of the um, processes that we were going through um, during, at this time. It's a uh, unique process, a job that we're undertaking, and it's right here at the end of the availability. The, job, the ship's getting ready to go back and go out to sea. So it's a, it's a big job. It's one that we, we've never done as a company or, or as a shop. And, you know, so it's pretty it's, – it, a lot of people are paying attention to it and, and are curious about it. And so I sat there for a few minutes and explained, explained this to them. But you would have seen me eight years ago, and it, the, the two it, – it, it wouldn't have fit the description of my mindset and my capabilities at that time. They would have only fit the potential that I had of the person that I could be if things had been different. And I've realized over the years that that is not normal. That's a rare, a rare instance to take what, to take the direction that things have been going for 20 something years of my life and to radically change that direction is at least from my own experience it's not easy. It's not. It's it's very um, very difficult, very confusing at times. Um, you know, sometimes you don't know that it's even working. You know, it, it took a while before Paul, you know, asking me, you know, if I realized how much I'd grown, you know, how much of it, how much I had accomplished. It took a while before it became undeniable. As many times I'd answer that question and say, yeah, I guess, I don't really know if that, you know. Because early on in the game, it, it hadn't become concrete for me that change is completely possible. And, uh, you know, going through that much chaos in my childhood, you you'll learn that Good things can happen. Bad things most often will happen. And that sometimes it's hard to know which one's coming, you know. And I learned from working with Paul in the beginning that, yeah, okay, some good things can happen if you put your mind to it. I wasn't too convinced otherwise, but that didn't mean um, everything right away 
it's only after years of consistent, steady, continual progress and growth before I've gotten to the state where I'm at now where I know that anything is possible. Anything I haven't accomplished, I don't lose much sleep over it because I know I could have, you know. Um, And I'm always making steady progress. And I think that's something I I live for now as long as I'm making progress, you know. Um, Always making progress staying positive about and appreciative of the things that I do have and that I've accomplished, it keeps me going, you know. And knowing that anything I set my mind to and put enough energy and effort into, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's it's more often than not, you know. I, I wouldn't put a lot of energy into growing purple wings and flying uh, the country, you know, circling the country as a fire-breathing dragon, but I don't put it past that if I was to put enough energy and attention into it, I might be the first person to transform into a fire-breathing, fire you know, dragon. Um, that's how convinced I am that anything you truly put your mind to, you'd be surprised. You really would. More often than not, you'd be surprised what you could do. And it's like I was explaining to my daughter with her schoolwork that, you know, you just got to, you've got to give yourself a chance because you'd be surprised. You sit here one day and you think, I'll never understand this. They're just talking numbers and gibberish, you know, these concepts of uh, numerators and order of operations and the reciprocal version of a fraction, all these things is just foreign language to me. I'll never understand it. You know, and I told her, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. And the more you go down that road, the more undeniable it becomes. It really does. And so anyone that's going through the process and it's, you know, has some doubts from time to time, that's okay. That's, that's normal. But stick with the process, and you'll learn to see the doubts for a lie. You know, it's not that you may never get doubts, but you know that they're just there to to try to grab your attention and take you in the other direction. If you don't allow them to grab your attention and take you in the direction, other direction, then you don't go in the other direction, you know, and you continue to grow. And so that's, you know... My story and some of the things I went through to get from there to, to here, I thank, I thank Paul every day because I know that it wouldn't have been possible without Paul. You know, that, that level of growth, I don't believe that you do it on your own. I don't think that's the way nature intended. And even when we isolate ourselves, we're still not alone, you know. We there's no such thing as a void. We've got to interact with people somehow. Even if we isolate ourselves, we're not, we're isolating ourselves from people. So we're still in relation to them. It's not as if they don't exist anymore. Um, We need people to isolate ourselves because we got to have something that we're isolating ourselves from. Um, So I, I, 
But the more that we do that, we cut ourselves off from the interactions with those people, the abilities and the opportunities to learn from those people. And that's another big thing that's changed in my life is going from isolating myself to very integrated in my workplace and very little issues speaking to people and uh, I've got to communicate all the time about all sorts of stuff. Um, and I don't have any hesitations in doing so, you know. And that was, was totally different eight years ago. I kept myself in the smallest box I could, the farthest away from as much as I could. And uh, I'm here to say that it's, it's possible to turn it around. And what's the, what have, you, what have you got to lose, you know, when you're in that, that, that small box and you don't think that you can ever turn it around? Well, the only option you've got is to keep going down that bumpy road and, you know, uh, keep getting getting ran over. So why not try to push it in the other direction? I tell you, it's much better. I always say that to fight in life and to go, you know, go up against your obstacles it's hard. It's not easy. Fears are there to try to take you off your path, and they don't sleep. But it's much harder to to fail over and over with no hope of ever succeeding. There's a difference failing when you know success is at the top of you know the Apollo failures. It just it just depends on how many failures. It may be ten. Because you got it, you know, a, a better way with um, writing and words, literature, so you don't fail as much before you write your first successful book. But if you wanted to become a, sex, a successful guitar player, you might, if it doesn't come as easily, maybe you've got to attempt it a hundred times. But enough times, knowing that enough times and getting over that fear of failure, you're going to succeed. You're going to get what you want. It's going to be okay. You're going to have times where you don't, you know, you feel as if nothing you're doing is working. It might not be until you figure out what to do that will work. It's just a matter of time. And then it's easy to forget that you ever stayed up all night beating yourself up, maybe shedding some tears, maybe throwing a fit because life not seeming to, to ever want to go your way. And then it does. And then you almost forget that it ever didn't. You know, it, so it's really worth to keep to keep on pushing, to accept and embrace the pain of the challenge and trade that for the pain of hopelessness. And if, if you've got to deal with the pain either way, deal with the pain of the challenge of pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. It's a much better pain. It's much more rewarding. I'm convinced you're going to feel some pain from time to time in your life, no matter which path you take. It's just that the pain of hopelessness is way worse, way worse. The pain of going to the gym and becoming stronger, that's not that bad. Hey, that, that's, that game is it's, it's okay. It's kind of fun. I'd rather play that game than 
trying to find the shortcut, trying to avoid every discomfort, trying to avoid uncertainty, trying to avoid risk at all costs and fear, that puts you into a place that's far darker, and the pain there is far worse, far more brutal and, and unforgiving, with no, no gold at the end of the rainbow. So that's my long-winded, brief story. <laughs> <laughs> Ray, we have really uh, uh, appreciate your uh, story tonight. And, uh, you know, over the eight years when you decided to start the journey of self-discovery, there is no question, you know, about the many different areas of your life that you have transformed yourself. Um, there's one area that uh, when it comes to rest and relaxation, uh, tell us about the eight different countries that you've visited in the past couple of years. Just a short little synopsis. Yeah, I've been to – so – I've been to Brazil twice this year. I I went back. Um, I plan to go to Brazil at least once a year. I've learned a great deal of uh, Portuguese, which is something that's another. That's, I've accomplished so many things, I, I forget them and leave some out <laughs> when I'm trying to list them. But And that's a huge one. I've always wanted to learn a second language. And... Um, Somebody asked me the other day, they said, do you think you could say you're to the point where you can say you speak Portuguese? So I said, matter of fact, I, I do think that I am. Um, it's getting to the point now where if I'm, there's some Spanish speakers at work, so sometimes it'll come up, you know, about the differences of Portuguese and stuff like that. But, you know, even at home with the kids, if I'm joking around and speaking Portuguese, it's it tends to just come out, you know, it's not. I don't have to strain as much anymore. It just gets more and it gets easier every day. And, uh, you know, I, very uh, efficient and basic conversation in Portuguese. It's The more I learn, I'm just learning more vocabulary, more complex um, uh, grammar and, and things like that. And learning to just understand it easier because they speak it so fast and so comfortably that you can understand every word and still maybe struggle to, or every word of the sentence being said and maybe still struggle to put it together. But that's, that's it at this point, just getting more and more comfortable with it. But I really fell in love with Brazil. I always had a special affinity for Brazil. And that's a place I want to stay close to. But outside of that, I went to Europe. Earlier this year, seeing Brazil or seeing Germany. See, I love Brazil so much. I <laughs> just, uh, so I seen Germany, Amsterdam, Prague, and uh, the Czech Republic, and London. And last year, I went to Puerto Rico. I went to Curacao Island, over there by Aruba. And. I think that was it. I may be leaving one out. But I had an amazing time. I went uh, by myself on most of the the, uh, places I went to. Had a great time. Learned a lot. You know, met people in Brazil. Was able to use the language a lot more this time. The time before, I had a few breakthrough moments where I 
you know, I was like, wow, I, as much of a struggle as it was, I was able to carry on a pretty much uh, pretty decent conversation. Like on the way, the first time to Brazil, on the way to the airport leaving, the driver, uh, the Uber driver, we talked for about 10, 15 minutes. But at a lot of different points, I had to tell him, you know, no entiendo muito or por favor my despacio or, you know, slow down or to, to just my gestures that I wasn't understanding, he would know to kind of try to break it down a little bit more simple. And then when I would get it, we'd move on to the next thing. But um, more so in this, this past trip, you know, just being able to get around and um, ask for what I needed and, you know, have basic conversation with people was, it was amazing uh, to, to be able to do that and to have learned that. It's another thing that helps solidify my understanding of growth and the process of, of learning it. The biggest thing that holds people back from a language is in the beginning, you go through several phases of realization that it's such a daunting thing to take on. It's, it's so much to it that you can only get through it by almost going into autopilot mode. You know, for me, and then with most things in life, you really just want to have it, you know. So learning a second language, I just want to know it and be able to speak it. If you tell me that I've got to climb this mountain as high as the moon, I may start to change my mind because I don't know if I can ever make it to the top of that mountain, you know. But if you really want it bad enough, you just start climbing it. And it goes back to that uh, saying that, you know, I want to reach the moon so bad that I'm going to climb it even if I don't ever make it because that's the only direction for me. You know, that's the only, that's the only uh, option that I'm going to allow myself because I'd rather, I would rather die, you know, heading towards the moon, be a much better death. <laughs> I'd be at peace than to just sit at the bottom with the wolves and the savages saying, uh, I'll never, I could never make it, you know, it's just way too far. And so then you just, you take on a different relationship with the mountain. It's just something you do. Climbing the mountain is just who you are. It's not something that every day you're going to say, oh, so much more. And you really got to shift that gear because that will wipe you out. It's something, and, and just through that experience, it's realizing that so much of life is that way. You got to just become it. Don't, you know, uh, because... The the end isn't always as much as it's cracked up to be anyway. You know, that's what I realized with my dream car, you know, my Audi A7. It's great. I love it. But it's, it, it, I even knew before, prior to, granted, you know, it's, it's not that I was really convinced that that was what my life was, uh, you know, it, that wasn't the, what it's all for, you know, is to get that car and then to be made whole and to live a happy life forever and ever. Um, but a lot of people get caught in that. They think, you know, my life is a struggle and I'm not, I'm not cool enough. You know, if I had this car and I had these clothes and this relationship, then I, it would all come together. Not realizing that it, it doesn't really work like that. You know, it's more about who you become and what you commit yourself to each and every day. 
some of the, you know, some things you arrive at, and that's good. And then you um, may, you know, pass on to something else. Um, but it's really more about who you are, what you invest your energy in, uh, than it is about acquiring things that you feel are going to make you any more than what you are, you know. And I learned that through traveling, through seeing different places that I'd never experienced in in person. And it's a totally different thing than uh, seeing it in a movie or reading it in a book, you know, that realization of how big and small the world is at the same time, you're only going to see that in person, you know, breathing the air, seeing and feeling the changes in the environment and in people and small behaviors and characteristics of, you know, the different walks of life. And uh, that was also a big accomplishment that most of my life, the passport hey, I'm, I'm a convicted felon that can barely get a job. The passport can, can wait, you know. I, I w- I'd like to travel one day. I'd like to be a upstanding middle-class taxpaying citizen traveling the world, vacation every year, and, you know, PTO time. That was just a distant dream for me. That's something that I felt life had convinced me that, hey, buddy, that's for those kids over there. That's for those guys that you don't get that, you know. And I pretty much surpassed those things. Um, Like I said, in the past two years, I've got my passport last year, I think, or the end of the year before that, 2018, and I've been to eight countries in the past two years with no plans on slowing down, you know. If I've come this far from where I started, and I'll be 33 next month, so I'd say I have a little bit of time, you know, to continue and see where that, you know, direction, how it, how it continues to unfold, you know. And if I if I can accomplish as much in eight years with what I had at the beginning, I can only imagine what I'll accomplish in the next eight years with what I've accomplished and what I have now to do it with and understanding and uh ability to build rapport and relationships with people, uh, to build trust in people and to build confidence in them of my ability and, and things like that. My ability to manifest, to set my sights and my energy on something, my focus on something and to bring it into reality, my my belief in that process and the possibility of uh, and the limitless of that um, with those things, if I could do what I did in eight years with nothing but uh, a bad, you know, hand of cards, um, the, you know, sky's the limit. So anybody can do it, but not anybody will. And that's, uh, I think, the difference in a lot of people that uh, some just won't. Some just, not that they can't, they just won't. It's so many factors that are just 
keeping them chasing the comfort of whatever their choice and comfort is versus facing the discomfort of growing. And that's another thing that I'll always try to drive home is that it's it's not always comfortable. You know, it's not, but you've got to embrace that and take take the good with the bad. Uh, the growth and the change, do you think that for one second I regret any of the discomforts I faced or the pain, the growing pains to get me to where I'm at now? Not one day goes by that I lose any sleep or expend any energy or thought on the discomfort, the, uh, discomfort of, like, uh, for instance, when we did the public speaking thing. Probably the most dis- un- uncomfortable I've been in my entire life, but I don't regret it one minute. There's so many rewards that I probably can never quantify. I can never calculate the amount of positive influence in my life that one experience had. So I, 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 I never go back and say, yeah, but it was just so uncomfortable. I mean, if I could have just made it a little bit more comfortable, if, I, if it was any more comfortable, it wouldn't have been as rewarding. And so I, I go every day with that way of looking at things, you know. If it's something uncomfortable, bring it on. I, I'm pretty sure it's something I, I need to do. <laughs> we really deeply appreciate you uh, sharing your story tonight. And uh, it definitely has been a, a, a extreme experience that many people would love to, you know, have and uh, participate in life. Uh, Jody, would you like to ask Ray a question or give a short synopsis of your journey since you've been with Discover It? Sure, Paul. Yeah, thanks, Ray. That was a real inspirational story, and um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. And we have your whole testimony on uh, the lifecoachuniversity.com. You can go to the testimony spot and read the rest of Ray's testimony and for me and my evolution of change and some transformation um, I could relate to a lot of the things Ray talked about when he talked about like exploring new things and uh, discovery I think we talk about you don't know what you don't know and having a mentor and a life coach allows you to someone else that knows other things to ask you questions for you to start to learn those things and maybe challenge some of those limiting beliefs that we have. And we also talk about, you know, you're not who you think you are. And Ray talked about the uh, past program conditioning that we are exposed to and all the things we learn so far throughout our life that we just believe to be true and we never really challenge those beliefs to really break outside that comfort zone and to grow. And I think another big thing that helped with my evolution of change is um, the three-step process for identify, confront, and be proactive. And the identify and confront are kind of a learning process. They get easier over time, but it's kind of in your, in your mind, how you look at things, how you see things, and you come to different realizations that can have a lot of growth in your life. But the last step is to, to be proactive, and that's where, like, the real work comes in. And, you know, that's where you have to stop procrastinating and having that follow-through. And 
like Ray talked about, being consistent, doing that stuff over and over again. And that's really what gets those results. So um, I think Ray covered everything really good. And uh, thanks for speaking tonight, Ray. No problem. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jody. I would appreciate that uh, input. And uh, you also, you know, in the past couple of years, you have really transformed your life in many areas also. We're really proud of you. Uh, Debbie, would you like to uh, be our last participant before we close the conference call out this evening? Okay. Well, I, I thought it was great, Ray. Um, and uh, I know in my journey it's been kind of a short journey, and I think we all deal with um, the, you know, our past program conditioning and, and, and really the baggage that we picked up as we were growing up. Um, you know, for me, I find that since, since I took you on as a coach, Paul, and, and discovered my it, um, I find that I am much calmer. Um, I have a sense of peace that I didn't have prior to doing this work and that I'm also um, not fearful as I was before. You know, there's always that time where um, um, you go to, to take something new on and you think, you know, oh, my gosh, what am I thinking? You know, I mean, what, what makes me think that I can do that? Um, and, and so that fear, you know, before when, when that would come up, you know, it would cause me to, to, to stop and, and, think, and think those thoughts. And, you know, now I know that that's just my internal thoughts or my it, um, you know, trying to push me into the, the way that it's always been. The other thing that I noticed, about myself is that I'm much more open to possibility. Things that seemed very difficult in the past or um, I, I don't want to use the word hopeless, but, you know, like something that I didn't think I could accomplish now, now is open for possibility. You know, as an example, um, you know, I've been building my business and I wanted to get to the point where I had $5,000 in cash flow per month coming in, you know, and after, after discovering it and realizing that I don't have to be afraid of things, you know, the possibilities came to me. Now I'm looking at, at doubling that to $10,000 of cash flow a month. You know, why not? And it could even be more than that. Um, the other thing is I've dealt a lot with my health. Uh, I had dealt with a lot of doctors and, and, um, and other people um, trying to lose weight, and, um, and I finally reached a point where I was just like, oh, my God, I, you know, let me just figure it all out on my own. And I did a ton of reading and a ton of, of research and still wasn't losing the weight. But since I've been in this program, you know, I really started looking at other alternatives because my mind was opened up to other, other possibilities. And instead of me, you know, constantly telling myself there's no way this is going to happen or, or, you know, I'm just going to explode because I get so fat, you know, now I've actually got a, a, a plan 
in place, I'm on a track, and, and I feel very hopeful about the whole thing. Um, so those are just a couple of the things that I've noticed in, in my life that have changed um, since, I, since I did that. And I really appreciate, um, you know, Paul's help and coaching and assistance. And then also um, it's just made a, a tremendous difference in my life uh, to where my life has opened up so much more in terms of what I think and what I say and how I act and, and, the, and the different things that I'm, that I'm willing to do. So um, thank you, Paul. I wanted, to really, I wanted you to know that I really appreciate everything. Well, thank you, Debbie, for your input and your uh, short testimony there. And uh, Ray, for your presentation this evening, which was a fantastic presentation and story for the past eight years. And also, uh, Jody, for your participation and, and your input tonight. Well, we'll see each of us, we'll see uh, next Thursday night at 7.30. Uh, call 515-604-9530, access code 655-145. We'll see you next week. Thank you, now.